1: Bears fans. It's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears Podcast Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you. And ho, oh, do we have a lot to talk about today? Lawrence Holmes from The Score is going to be by here in a little bit. Plenty to talk about with Lawrence. Uh, excited for that. Conversation. We will get to it shortly. But before we do, just want to address a few things on my own. First, let's start with the Detroit Lions, Bears Thanksgiving game. The Bears won. Whoop-de-damn do. Okay, moving on to the information that people want to talk about. And just about all of this stems from the patch report that Matt Nagy was going to be fired on Friday. And there is so much to peel back here, so much to peel back about this this report and the fallout from this report. And and I don't even practically know where to begin, but let's, let's begin with the report itself because I went head to head with a lot of Twitter folks about this report and the validity of this report. And I don't know exactly where Mark Conkle of the patch got his information. I have a guess being that Mark Conkle writes a lot of political articles still at this point about, about Illinois politics and there is a certain someone on the board of directors that not that person directly but a family member also has a tie into politics. I have a feeling that that's maybe the connection onto where that leak came from because it certainly sounded like that leak kind of came from pretty high up in the Bears organization. This is not something that came from, from Flip or Bill Lazor. This came up from ownership at that kind of level. So just gonna kind of throw that out there, but that's all speculation. You, you do whatever you want with that information. But what I'm focused on is the report itself and the report itself is the issue. Mark Conkle didn't report that Matt Nagy is going to be fired at some point before, you know, January 15th or, you know, whatever Black Monday is in, in the NFL for, for coaches firing. So that wasn't the report. A- at this point, it's all but a certainty that Matt Nagy's going to get fired. That report wouldn't have gotten any buzz around the Chicago Bears, maybe a little bit, but that wouldn't have done much because I think Bears beat writers, even Bears fans anyone around the organization is pretty comfortable with the idea that Matt Nagy at this point is not going to survive. And I'll I'll get into Nagy here in a minute, but I, I wanna focus on the report. The report wasn't just that Matt Nagy was going to be fired on Friday after the Thanksgiving game. The report was that Matt Nagy was informed on Monday that the Thursday Thanksgiving game against Detroit would be his final game and that he would be fired on Friday. He was informed of that on Monday. That's the report. That is the accuracy we're talking about in in this report. Not that Matt Nagy is going to get fired. That's not really news. That's practically assumed at this point. The report was that Nagy was in, that this was happening and then that Nagy was informed of it. That's just simply not true. And not just because it's next week here and Nagy is still the coach of the Bears. That report had problems on it from the start. There is zero chance that Matt Nagy was informed of this on Monday. The Bears have never fired anyone in season as a head coach. They certainly weren't going to do it with, with, you know, seven, you know, six games to go in the season. There's no way that was going to happen, and the fact that the the idea that Matt Nagy was in for money. Look, Matt, you're done. We're we're you know we're we're moving we're moving on from you. We're gonna do it immediately. But first, could you coach the Thanksgiving game for us? We 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 don't want to put the interim coach in a tough spot where he won't be able to well are you kidding me do you think any of that is plausible it is not plausible i understand the bears organization does a lot of things the wrong way but that is not a plausible thing and and when when i did the little pop-up podcast with robert schmitz last week that's the same thing we talked about that that doesn't make any sense so this report doesn't make a lot of sense. And sure, is there some validity to it that the Bears brass at the higher ups, the George McCaskey level, is looking at, you know, letting Matt Nagy go? They're four and seven. His requirement was that he had to make the playoffs. It's pretty obvious that this is the direction this is going. So let's not just assume that there's validity to this report because people really, really wanna just take this report and be like, oh, this is the way it was gonna be and the Bears changed their minds because they wanna prove Conkle wrong. Forget Conkle for a second. If this report had any validity, any validity to it, at this point, where's Adam Schefter? Where's Jay Glazer? Where's Ian Rappaport? Where is Brad Biggs? Where's Adam Johns? None of them, none of them confirmed this report. Not a one. So they, I guarantee you, they kind of tried to find out what was going on there. None of them could, could, could confirm this report. You know, take this information for what it's worth, because you know, I, I tend to poke around and get pieces of information from time to time. People I spoke with, none of them could confirm this report. This report to me was bunk. I don't know if Konkel got the story wrong from the source or if the source didn't have the story quite right to begin with, but this story was not accurate. It was never confirmed. It is time to move on from this story. Now, the other thing that is interesting about this story was kind of the fallout from this story And one of the pieces that came out from this story was a report from Hub Arkish that George McCaskey was the one that told Matt Nagy that he needed to start Justin Fields. Now, my first reaction to that piece of information was no chance George McCaskey meddled. There's no chance George McCaskey meddled, and in fact, Dan Wiederer, the next, not the next day, but a couple days later, after Nagy said that that's not true, Wiederer said, you know, 100%, that's the way I understand it, I'm with Nagy, George didn't meddle." Now, Hub I know maybe Hub's lost his fastball a little bit, but Hub Arkish, once upon a time, was a big media personality. And I don't know if, if younger Bears fans know how big Hub Arkish was in the 80s and into the early 90s, but his Pro Football Weekly magazine that he was the executive editor on, that was his magazine, was one of the top pieces of information for football fans for 10-15 years and, and the magazine went downhill when, when print started going downhill and, and, and it just and, and hub kind of lost his luster he was always based in Chicago so he's always kind of had this this insight on, on the bears but hub arkish was a big deal so hub over his 40 years or so in the business and a lot of it based in Chicago is going to have built up some contacts now I don't really agree with any of Hub's football opinions at this point. I think Hub's analysis is still stuck in 1994. I, I know Hub, I've worked with Hub, and, and you know I know that might be a little harsh criticism for Hub, but all I'm saying is Hub does have ties. I'm not saying Dan Weider doesn't have ties too. Hub does have some ties. Now I poked around on this one a little bit as well, and I'm going to say from my vantage point, much to my shock, George McCaskey, I do believe, did tell Matt Nagy that he needed to play Justin Fields. And that is shocking on so many levels. One, the fact that George felt he had to intervene, which is not something he does. And two, that Matt Nagy, if you're at a point where the future of the franchise is Justin Fields and Matt Nagy does not want to play him, then and to the point that the owner has to intervene, there is a major problem there. And I'm going to guess where where we are now at four and seven, and and certainly headed towards towards a Matt Nagy firing. You have to figure that the Matt Nagy firing was kind of put into motion all the way back then in in September or early October, exactly whatever the date was when Justin Fields was named the starter moving forward. That is gross negligence from Matt Nagy and and as someone who has supported Nagy a lot over the last four years of his his tenure I have said all along that I did not like the way he handled Justin Fields from the beginning I did not like the idea of how he was handling Justin Fields in training camp with with the first team reps and, and not getting them and the fact that we're at this point where Matt Nagy wants to play Andy Dalton and gets his hand Forced by the owner, that is gross gross negligence for the franchise from the head coach. That is terrible. That is a coach who is just trying to save his butt and seeing if Andy Dalton can squeeze out eight wins and they can slide in as the seventh seed at 8-9 and and then Matt Nagy can ask for his contract extension and deal with Justin Fields next year. That is terrible. Now that is basically the head coach version of what Ryan Pace has been doing the last couple years trying to save his job, punting money into the future constantly to try and beef up a mediocre roster as much as possible to try and squeeze out enough wins to save his job. I'm not sure where Ryan Pace is in terms of his job security. That's one that George and Ted and and, and the whole group crew there is going to have to really evaluate and evaluate quickly because the Bears are in a situation here where they need to really start making decisions. So Matt Nagy should not be handling this team anymore. And I have one other thing to say about Matt Nagy. We'll get to that in a second. But in terms of Ryan Pace with the new interview policies that are in place that the Bears, once they fire Matt Nagy, in season, with the last couple weeks of the season, can interview coaching candidates from other teams with permission. That's a big difference. So the Bears have never had a reason to fire a coach before the end of the season because there was no real advantage to doing so. But now there is, now there is. The right thing to do here, if the Bears are moving on from Matt Nagy, and it certainly appears that they are going to be, is to let Matt Nagy go at some point in December so you can line up some interviews, whoever they want to be, Greg Roman, you know, Kellen Moore, whoever you can line up and have those interviews prior to the season so you can hit the ground running. The issue with the Bears is not only do they have to can Matt Nagy in season to do that, They also have to determine what is Ryan Pace's role with this organization, if at all, moving forward. Because it is a bad recipe to bring in a head coach and then bring in a general manager. I never like doing that, it's out of order. You need to make sure your front office is secure and that the front office work with ownership in bringing in the head coach. Otherwise, it opens up the door to you know just problems it just opens up the door to just having a front office and a coaching staff not simpatico not on the same page i don't endorse that at all so if ryan pace is going to be the gm moving forward then you need to commit to ryan pace and let him pick his third which i would say is technically his second head coach because john fox with ernie of course, he had a major influence on that john fox hire but at this point the Bears have to determine what they're gonna do with Ryan Pace because keep in mind the head coach interview the, the, the rules for interviewing a head coach have changed in season it is not for the front office so the Bears can't go try and picking a new general manager from other teams now They could go after someone like Rick Smith, who doesn't have a job right now, the former Texans front office executive who built a lot of the talent on the Texans roster over the last several years before things have crumbled for them over the last two or three seasons. So Rick Smith is a possibility if you wanna bring him in. You can look at people like Lewis Riddick, guys like that that don't have a tie to an NFL franchise. Or you can stick with Ryan Pace. You know, I know we've heard some rumors that Ryan Pace could have his job title changed to football operations and and be kind of differently involved in in the front office. That's fine if you're going to do that. But you need to have some sort of plan in place if you're going to fire Matt Nagy in season. What I think may very well happen is that George is going to try and keep Nagy through the end of the year. Unless a lot of these other teams that are going to move on from their coaches start firing guys in season and George feels like he's going to to lose a leg on a lot of these other franchises. But the one thing to think about here is a lot of these teams are not going to be the bad teams, the teams that in theory should be firing their coach. A lot of these teams are not going to necessarily be Looking for new coaches because they just hired new coaches last year. And I don't care how poorly they are. You know, Dan Campbell can go 016 and one, but the odds of him being fired after one season, I believe he got a six-year deal. We talked about it last week on the podcast with Patrick Maher. He got a six-year deal. Coaches are now getting about four, five, six million a year call. So let's call in middle five million. You're gonna pay Dan Campbell $25 million if you're the Ford family to not coach. I don't think that's going to happen. So, if teams like the Lions and Jacksonville, the New York Jets, these these teams that are struggling, the Houston Texans, they probably are not firing their head coach. So, you've got you've got a few possibilities. I know you know Mike Zimmer could have could have been at the point where he's worn out his welcome in, in Minnesota. You know, there's there's a couple other spots where you could see a potential coaching change, but there's not a lot of really bad teams that aren't in the playoff hunt. Like Vic Fangio may be gone in Denver, but Vic Fangio is not gonna get fired in the next couple weeks, because right now the Broncos are still in the thick of the playoff hunt. So there's not, I don't think there's going to be a lot of bad teams that are saying, all right, our coach is gone, let's move on and let's look for some, some, for some coaching candidates. So I think the Bears might luck out there in terms of not having to jump the gun here and try and interview coaches ahead of time. And if that's the case, I think it's a possibility that Nagy sticks through the end of the year. I think it makes a lot of sense to move on from, from Nagy within the next few weeks. Look. If he loses to Arizona and Green Bay in the next two weeks, and let's assume he's going to, at four and nine, the Bears will almost be completely eliminated from the playoffs. That's a sensible place to move on. And if I'm if I'm George McCaskey, that's what I do. Fire him after the Green Bay game. Make a statement to the fan base that they're going to love that you didn't have enough success against the Packers. See you later. So that's what I would do. I don't know if they're going to do that because I don't know if two weeks you know, two and a half weeks, whatever, after this report is enough time for the Chicago Bears. But that's when I would do it if I was them. Now, before we get to Lawrence Holmes, one last thing I want to discuss, and that's this idea about Matt Nagy losing the locker room. And I have i don't want to call it defending Nagy on this. This is more about me, about my opinion on what losing the locker room is and, and to me the Bears fan base has had it so much has had enough of Matt Nagy so much that it's not enough that he's going to be fired at some point in the next six weeks the, the Bears fans want blood they want every Bears player to hate Matt Nagy to loathe Matt Nagy and to be public that that is the case and and that just so rarely Happens Now, does every player like Matt Nagy? No, of course not. D- keep in mind, this is not high school football. This is professional football. This is not a coach firing up a bunch of 17-year-old kids to go out there and play hard. These athletes are professionals. The coaches are professionals. This is no different than a business for a lot of, you know, in in a lot of ways. You know, is it completely different than what we're used to as business, you know, as people who who potentially work for businesses? Yes, because they're playing football and they're working for a coach. and, And there's, you know, it has the feel of the football that, you know, perhaps we played or are accustomed to. But this is professional football. These are professionally paid athletes. They have a job to do. Their boss is Matt Nagy. Not all of them are going to like their boss. We've all worked for bosses at one point or another that we didn't like. It's no different in the NFL. There's always gonna be a pocket of players that don't like their, their, their boss, their head coach. And when they're 4-7 and and they haven't had a tremendous amount of success for three years, that's going to grow and there's going to be more players that don't believe in Matt Nagy's offensive system or don't believe that Matt Nagy is running the sidelines properly or don't believe in Matt Nagy in general or annoyed at Matt Nagy because they don't think he's good enough. Whatever the reason might be, of course that sentiment is going to continue to grow within the locker room. That's only natural. That's only human. But the, the losing the locker room, which is what a lot of Bears fans keep wanting to say, Matt Nagy has lost the locker room. It's obvious. It's clear. Because Jalen Johnson may have made a comment, or Nick Foles may have made a comment. Those are small patches of players. I'm not saying the players love Matt Nagy, and you know, the last game of the year, they're going to prop him up on their shoulders and, and carry him off the field. But losing the locker room is a whole nother level. That is a whole nother level. That is Mark Tressman, where there's a fight in the locker room and Mark Tressman is hiding in his office because he doesn't want to deal with it. That's losing the locker room. That's showing zero signs of leadership. Having players quit on you. I think in Mark Tressman's last year against Dallas, I, I have a recollection, it could be, and I actually look for it on YouTube, I couldn't find it. Joseph Randall scored a touchdown in the third or fourth quarter from like 10 or 15 yards out. And I believe my memory is that the Bears defense basically just stood around and watched him score. They were not, it was not a strategy. It's not like they were trying to let him score. It was basically that they just made no effort to tackle him. That's quitting on a coach. That is losing the locker room. When there is so little respect for what is happening that the players won't even show up on Sundays. To me, that's losing the locker room. That rarely happens. You know, losing patience in a coach, losing hope because you know your coach is going to get fired at the end of the year. That's all completely different. And of course that's happening in the Bears locker room. They're four and seven. They're struggling overall. They, they know their coach is probably gone. They know there's going to be turnover because there's going to be, an, at a minimum, a new head coach. So yeah, there's going to be internal discussions and conversations among players. But there is no evidence to me that Matt Nagy has lost the locker room. Not in anything I've seen, and not in anything I've heard. So to me, that's too much, and I think that's just Bears fans out for blood. All right, I babbled for a really long time there. Like I said, a lot to dissect from the Bears here in their last, uh, last week or so. A lot going on. Overall, positive for the Bears franchise because at this point they need to move on from Matt Nagy and it certainly appears that that's happening. It is just a question of when, when we return from this break, Lawrence Holmes of the score. He joins us next. We'll get into it all with Lawrence. This is bears banter. Bill Zimmerman. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back into the podcast. Very excited for this guest a great week to have him on because he's always full of opinions and there is a lot That has happened with the Chicago Bears over the last 10 days or so uh, that needs a lot of opinions. It's noon to two on the score. The midday host at Lawrence W. Holmes on Twitter. He is Lawrence Holmes. Lawrence, Bill Zimmerman. How are you?
2: I appreciate you inviting me back on, Bill. It's been a minute. What's what what is there to talk about with the Bears? I feel like there's nothing really to talk about at all.
1: No, not too much. So let's 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 break down play by play the Lions game because that was an ex- exhilarating game. And then we'll we'll go into an extensive preview over this Cardinals game that should be just a, a, a you know, exciting down to the end game here. That's that that's what we need to do. Uh, actually, let's get into what matters with this team. And let's let's start right with Matt Nagy. And of course, the patch report. Let's let's start there. Um, You know, a lot of people didn't know what to make of that report when it first came out. I was really surprised of the it came from, you know, Mark Conkle, who, you know, has had some, you know, success, obviously, in his career winning a Pulitzer Pulitzer Prize, but, you know, didn't come from Schefter, didn't come from Biggs, didn't come from Johns, didn't come from any of the guys. I know, you know, Dan Bernstein uh, from the score said, you know, he's going to believe the Conkle report when that came out. Other people were skeptical. Where were you? When this report came out that Matt Nagy was going to be fired on Friday.
2: I was skeptical is probably not the right word. I was cautious with the report. Um, I know Conkle both personally and professionally. So I know that he's really well sourced, but what made me uncomfortable was it was a one source report. Like that made me uncomfortable to kind of go with it. And so, you know, then I started calling some people that I knew from my time of covering the beat back in the early two thousands. And it's here's what I'll say about that report. I would not be surprised if someone told Mark exactly what he had reported from what I've been able to figure out in putting a couple different things together, whoever talked to him was not, authorized to make a determination on the end when Matt Nagy would finish his career as bear bears head coach, partially because the collaborative effort that they use in their management style. And that's, that's kind of where I came down and like, what are people, what are some of my contacts saying about all of this? And I wouldn't be shocked if someone had said to him, Hey man, we're, we're going to make a move. And, and, and I don't know if it would have been contingent on what happened in the Thursday game, but I've, I looked at it as this was an opportunity to to try and do some good journalism and, and not completely just use that as law, like to try and dig deeper and drill down on it. And I, and I I would have preferred that the bear say something about it to tell you the truth bill. And I get it. Like they, they operate from this space of, well, if we refute that, we have to, you don't, you don't have to refute every single rumor that comes up, but when a Pulitzer prize winner just out of nowhere is like, yo, this is what I'm hearing. It would have been beneficial to Matt Nagy and the bears as an organization. If Tuesday, they would have put out a one sentence statement. Contrary to the patch.com report. We have made no decisions on the future of Matt Nagy. He is still our head coach, period. That's all you had to say. But they allowed it to linger. And because they allowed it to linger, it became, it went from being a, what could have been a two hour story to a three day story where you do have Matt Nagy canceling meetings on a short week and all this stuff like that that could have been avoided. And, and I, I really wish that the bears would, they would have done away with some of the business as usual and would have said, no, nah, we feel once it reached the press conference, like bill, they put the special teams core. He was the first person to talk. Yeah. You A- can't have that. Yeah, absolutely. That. And that's where was going to be. My next question was
1: talking about how they handled this on Tuesday, which I think in a lot of bizarre Bears moments over the last twenty to twenty-five years, that Tuesday and how it was handled, and the fact that, like you said, special teams coordinator Chris Tabor is up there. He's the first one taking questions about this. Made no sense. Matt Nagy comes out, no statement made. I was with you. I tweeted something out. You know, not exactly your your statement's even better than mine about just a very simple statement, carefully worded. That doesn't say you're Matt Nagy's a coach till the end of the year. You're, you know, fully supporting Matt Nagy. There's ways they could have done it, but the silence, the crickets, is what just fueled this thing into, you know. And, and as a guy who, who, who's, you know, executive producer for a national sports channel at SiriusXM, right? He fueled a national conversation. It wasn't just local. This blew up nationally because the Bears refused to say anything
2: when I first started at the score is I'm probably about a year in to my tenure at the score the Dave McGinnis thing happened and for people who don't remember Dave McGinnis was it looked like he was going to be the next coach of the Bears they didn't have the contract ready, like it wasn't. It was agreed upon in principle, but there was still a lot of stuff that needed to get done. There were still things that Dave McGinnis wanted wanted in his deal. It wasn't done. They announced it as done, and I remember being at the score, being like, "How does this happen?" Like even in '99, it's like, "How does something like this happen?" Where you have this, and I remember the Russ Grimm press conference and. That's what the Bears were doing. The Bears wanted to do these mock press conferences to see how their coach would handle the Chicago press, and it all seems so quaint now, like thinking back <laughs> on it, like it's also so quaint. So here were the Bears with this embarrassment of a guy that they genuinely wanted to hire, not hiring him, and all of the the farce that went on. And them not hiring him—that's what last week reminded me of. It reminded me of them kind of walking around like expecting some grace that they didn't actually deserve, and and it was just bizarre. I I felt bad for Matt Nagy, in that it didn't seem like there were a lot of people coming to his defense, and he has to answer these questions. You have to remember that this was after a weekend where. Bulls fans are chanting fire Nagy. This is after a weekend where his son's playing in the the, the state final state semifinal and their high school kids taunting his son at a game. Like I, I found in that moment, while I'm not the biggest fan of Matt Nagy as a coach, I think that he's been, I think that he's a nice person and it, and it felt, mean. It it felt what he was going through could have been avoided very easily. And I was surprised that the bears didn't choose the path of protecting their coach, even though we all know that he's probably gone at the end of the year, maybe before the year is up, considering the new rules that are in place when it comes to hiring a new coach, but to leave him twisting in the wind on that, I, I thought was a real misstep by the Bears.
1: Yeah, I agree. I a hundred percent with you. I've I've supported Nagy, I think longer than most. I may have been out on Trubisky quicker than most, but I was out, I was supporting Nagy more than most. But what's transpired over you know, everything was well, first you need a, a different quarterback, or you need this, or you need that, and, and to unleash the offense. At, at this point, we're three years removed from 2018 which to me it felt like a different offense altogether at, at this point than what was been run in nineteen twenty and 21. He's needed, you know, whether it's laser calling plays or, or, or whatever it might be The you can't separate Nagy's offense from, from Matt Nagy himself. And it's just at a point where it needs that because you're not going to have Nagy as a lame duck. So you are a hundred percent at a point where you're either firing him or extending him. And there, to me, there's a 0% chance you can extend him at this point. I mean, I talked to, to Johns and Fishbane on this podcast a few weeks ago, and both of them kind of said the same thing, that if Justin Fields is, you know, if, if let's assume he's getting healthy and getting back. If Justin Fields has a, he's just on fire for the the month of December and they win a couple games, but they still don't have a tremendous record, you know, six and 11, they wonder if Fields' development, if it's clear that he's the special talent that can be the Bears' future, that it could save Nagy. I see where they were coming from then. I don't even know if a Justin Fields' incredible December can save him now.
2: I don't think so. And and the other thing that I'll add to it, this is where I think Matt Nagy made a huge mistake. For some reason, he continues to sing the praises of Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's a mercenary, okay? He's brought in here for one year, ten million dollars. Their their plan, which is another reason why I don't I don't like the the Bears' brain trust right now. Going into this season, their plan was Andy Dalton. Now, once the draft board changed, once people decided not to take Justin Fields in the first ten picks, the board opened up for Ryan Pace to take to take what I thought was a really calculated swing to try and get a franchise quarterback the part that bothers me is you would think that it would give Matt Nagy a new lease on life to be like oh I got this new quarterback he can do some things that the other quarterbacks that I've had can't do let me throw all of my resources into Justin Fields let me let me see if he can maximize what it is that I want to do with my offense nope their plan, even after they got Justin Fields, was we're gonna piecemeal Justin Fields into this thing. We're gonna make him the number two. So let me, I know, let me go into detail a little bit about why I it this bothers me. Either Justin Fields should have been the one or the three. There was no point in making him the backup if you weren't gonna give him the reps to allow him to be prepared. And if you were going to give him those reps, then he might as well be the starter, but they wanted to go halfway with it. And by doing that, they, they, I don't think they helped themselves, nor did they help Justin Fields. And then you hear stories about how Justin Fields was unhappy because he was built. He was doing stuff that number threes do. He was running the scout team, right? And that's not what threes are doing around the, that's what what twos are doing around the league. It, it It was amazing to me that you had all this opportunity to get him prepared to play, and you chose to not do that. So once Andy Dalton gets hurt, there's still a ramping up that has to happen because you haven't given him the necessary snaps in practice to prepare him to play. To me, that's another failure. Like that's a failure on your coaching staff to, to come up with a plan that makes sense. And I don't, I don't mind that they got stuck with quarterback musical chairs. Like they clearly were looking at Deshaun Watson before the lawsuit started. They clearly were trying to get Russell Wilson and they couldn't make it happen. So they're stuck with Andy Dalton. But once you get to the point where you have a chance at Justin Fields, everything should change. Organizationally, whatever promises you made to Andy Dalton it'd go right out the window because when you made those promises to him, you didn't have a quarterback and now you do. And we all know how valuable it is to find out early on if your quarterback can play or not because of the way the salary cap works, because of the way that rookie contracts or quarterbacks work. You want to know, you want to know honestly going into year three of, of that quarterback. And for them to waste time and I've always built, I've always been someone that's a little bit on the fence between sitting and starting. And as this process has gone on, I've been pushed over to the no, nah, guys got to start. Like if we're talking about a first round quarterback, if you don't have an incumbent who you think is going to help you win a championship, then the young guy has to start because he's not going to melt and The evidence of that was Justin Fields' game against Cleveland. If ever there was a game, if you're looking for the David Carr game, where you get your head bashed in and you're never right after that, the Cleveland game was it. But Fields didn't fold. Did not. He he got back out there. He wanted to keep playing, and he started to make improvement. So I think that some of the things that we – we use as tropes when it comes to talking about quarterback play. I think he shattered some of that stuff. He, he shattered the idea of a quarterback can be broken by what happens to them in their rookie year. A, a certain type of quarterback can be broken, but maybe not someone who, who clearly showed some crazy resiliency when he was a, a college quarterback in Justin Fields. So to me, Negi really missed out on attaching himself to the guy that could save his career. And, 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 that is a miscalculation in itself that's worthy of firing him.
1: And I, and I'm with you on that. And, and I'm with you on Justin Fields, you know, two, two parts. I mean, one coming off that Browns game, going to the Raiders game where he's getting bounced around again and you see him there, just sitting there with the, you know, bring it on hands, you know, to the, to the Raiders defense. That's the mentality of Justin Fields. And the fact that Matt Nagy did, and I've been saying this for a while, no reps with the ones in July and August. I mean, the the amount of missteps they made with fields along the way really bothers me. And, And it's not just an Aggie thing. It's not just a Ryan Pace thing. This goes all the way up to George and that press conference back in January where basically you know, it seems that these two guys were set out to fix the quarterback situation and get back into the playoffs. And those two pieces, once you have Justin Fields, if you have Russell Wilson, that's different. Yeah. But once you have Justin Fields, those two pieces don't marry. They, they don't come together properly. And you got Ryan Pace pushing, you know, money into the future where the bears should be setting up their cap to be able to spend in Justin Fields' second and third year to set up for a Super Bowl run, potentially. And instead, all they're doing is pushing this cap into space where they're not going to be able to set up their cap to spend until a year later now because of all the things they've done here. So to me, it's been mishandled the whole season, and it's created a mess that nobody wins. Justin Fields doesn't win. Nagy doesn't win. And, you know, it doesn't look like Ryan Pace wins either, although maybe Pace has more stability in this organization you know, I know the McCaskies love them, And that's kind of where I wanted to go
2: next with. Well, you. well, Bill, that's the fun part. The fun part over the last week has been or the last two weeks has been very subtle divorce that's happening between Ryan Pace and Matt. Yes, a
1: little a little distancing.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and you saw it play out on the CBS broadcast of the game where you're starting to see perhaps Ryan Pace's point of view on everything that is bears. And why are you seeing that? Because Tony Romo is also. Romo also like, <laughs> yeah. And, and like all of us in Chicago are sitting there going, huh, that's interesting. That's interesting that Tony would say some of these things that he's saying. And it's, it's, it seemed very clear who he had been talking to. And the fact that you didn't, you didn't hear one word from, from Ryan Pace until before the game on Thursday when he talked to BBM it's like oh yeah I I think that, that 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 report was inaccurate that's another thing some of the wording that the Bears used
1: inaccurate and wrong are two different things
2: correct say you can even say that's not true period and and you had them kind of parsing these words and it made it gave validity to the report. Because you're like, OK, well, maybe he got part of it wrong, but maybe some of it's right if you're calling it inaccurate versus wrong or untrue.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and they, they chose their words carefully. And, you know, Ryan Pace is distancing himself because Ryan Pace does not want to lose his job. And and look, I know the McCaskies love what he did to Halas Hall. You've got Arlington Heights on the horizon who you could just see. They they want Ryan Pace involved into what whatever he can help infuse into that new stadium. I, I could see all that. So do you think Pace is safe? Do you think he might be gone? I know we've you've heard rumors forever about maybe he gets bumped up to to president of football ops and what could only be described as a fail up kind of a situation. But what where where do what do you think happens? What's the future of Ryan Pace and Lawrence Holmes's size?
2: One of the bigger problems with covering the Bears right now, Bill, is we don't have clarity on what the contract situations are with Ryan Pace or Matt, Matt Nagy. Like that's problematic. It would be very Bears to not fire him. I'm hopeful for no apparent reason, but I'm hopeful that they see that under Matt Nagy, they've had one winning season. One. Sure. You've made the playoffs. You snuck into the COVID year playoffs that were expanded. And when you got there, what did you do? You look like you had look for a big portion of the season. There's nothing on his resume that I look at and say, he's got a vision for the future of bears football on the field. If you want to talk about the improvements of the facilities, great. There are plenty of people inside football that could have looked at so at at Hallis Hall and been like, "You need an upgrade, and here's the things that you need to." (laughs) You can literally hire a consultant for less money than you probably pay Ryan Pace in a month to come in there and give you an outline of how you should change the way that Hallis Hall is built. I don't see any real reason why he should stick around. There, there's, no, there's nothing about him like he didn't build a defense. He didn't get the right coach twice. And I know that some people want to divorce him from the John Fox years, but I'm not going to because you could have said no to the job. If that was a condition that you were not happy with, you could have said, no, I'll just stay in New Orleans and keep doing what I'm doing down here. So I hope that this is a clean sweep, that they structure it the way the way the cubs do and for those who are uninitiated with the cubs when the cubs were in their winning window with theo epstein they split the job titles in two and what they had was crane Kinney be the president of the money stuff like all of the business operations stuff he was in charge of and on the other side of it theo epstein was in charge of everything baseball ops if they wanted to do something like that with ted phillips Because I think you got to keep going, Bill. I think you got to keep going up the ladder. You do. You absolutely do. If they want to take – because Ted Phillips has done well by the McCaskey family, whether it's getting Soldier Field done or getting this deal done in Arlington Heights. He's done well by them. And there's some other stuff, too. Like, I'll save it for the next time you ask me onto the podcast. But, like, (laughs) there's some tax implication stuff with what happens – if and when Virginia passes away, can they can the, the family afford to pay the estate tax on their shares in the team? And I think that Ted has actually set it up perfectly for them to sell. It, it, if that's the case, I think that he's made them more money and made the, the franchise more attractive. But. He should be in charge of that and just that the business operation of the Bears and bring in someone who who can be the Theo Epstein. Maybe it is Theo Epstein. There've been a lot of people in Chicago who would love to see him come in and just say, here's what you can do. And I will tell you this. If you want to play with the Theo conspiracy, he's got no interest in football. Okay. But if you want to play with it, when the Cubs redid things in Arizona, I went down there, you know, me, I, I covered football for a while. Sure. I checked out their facility in Mason. I, I I pulled Theo aside after a press conference and I go, "Hey, I come from football. This is like a football facility to me." He said, "You're right. We consulted with the Patriots mm-hmm. on building this facility. So while he's not a football guy, he knows some football people, and he's talked with them. So if you want to run with that conspiracy, you can do that. But yeah, I would like to see them move." forward from this administration and i'd love to see the family get smarter about who they entrust their baby to who they entrust hallas's legacy to one of the big things that i've been fighting for on the air i do i've done television with some greats in chicago i got a chance to do a show for four years with alex brown lance briggs olin krutz matt forte I'm sitting in the green room with those guys watching Bears games. It's like going to grad school, man. <laughs> it really is. It's like going I can, to grad- I can believe it. I can believe it. What bothers me is that the Bears have not embraced the composite intelligentsia. Olin would be so mad that I co- combined those two words. He'd be like, get your SAT words out of here with your nonsense. <laughs> but the, you could have these guys – helping guide your hand. I'm not saying that you install one of them as the GM, but I think that, that George McCaskey needs to look at this and say, I have a lot of ex players, ex coaches, ex front office people who still legitimately care about the bears and want the bears to do well. I would lean on that. I would, I would, I would take those guys to lunch I'd set up a dinner or a, mo- a monthly or quarterly where you're inviting some of the best and brightest Bears alums and you ask them, "Hey, what do you think is going on?" or you get better prepared to ask questions of Ryan Pace than then what maybe George and Ted are at this point. It's a simple solution. And Bill, I can tell you whether it's the four guys that I worked with or other guys Charles Silman is still in the area too. He is he is right down the street from Hallis Hall. That's a guy that you want helping you make decisions. That's a guy whose ear that you want to bend. And they don't do a good enough job of using their alumni in that way. I'm sure that if you allowed these guys to to get in George's ear, he would be better prepared to ask and answer questions about what's going on with his franchise.
1: And, and you hit it right there. And whether it's utilizing former players, like, like you said, or bringing in president of football ops and splitting the president position, the the biggest issue, and this is, this isn't for just Ryan Pace. This is going back, you know, for decades, honestly, the ownership and the president do not have enough football knowledge and football capacity to hold the general manager accountable. And, you know, they, they just don't know enough. And and they sit there in their press conferences. We're just fans. We don't know football. Like they just say it publicly. Like the fact that they don't have that person to do that, I think is a big disconnect between doing that and they need to make decisions and they need to make them soon because if they're going to move on from Matt Nagy early, where they can take advantage of those final two weeks uh, to, for the head coaching, the new, the new policy, as you mentioned earlier, that doesn't translate to general managers. That's the, it's only the head coach position. So if you're going to move on from Ryan pace, you need to do it the same time you're moving on from Matt Nagy, because, you know, I understand you could bring in another Ernie, Acorsi type and have him hire the head coach and then bring in a GM. I hate doing that. I want, Whoever is running this football team, whoever the general manager is, I want them involved in the head coaching decision. And I understand you can't coach someone early, but there's people out there like Rick Smith who doesn't currently have a job that you could potentially bring in. There's there's ways to do this, but the way I think it's just going to happen is they're just going to hold on to Nagy and maybe they just wait and see because a lot of the bad football teams have first year head coaches. The Jets have a first year head coach. Jacksonville, Houston all first-year head coaches, Detroit first-year head coach. So they probably aren't firing guys because they're on their first year of their deal. So maybe they get lucky that, you know, if Mike Zimmer is gone or Vic Fangio is gone and those positions open up, they're probably not opening up till the end of the season because those guys are in the playoff hunt. So maybe they get lucky in that regard and don't have to move on from Nagy early. But if they are, and they're going to take advantage of the situation of who they can hire as the head coach, they have to know what they're doing at the general manager position at the same time and I just can't see George and Ted having their ducks in a row and organized enough to be making these decisions three weeks from now.
2: Yeah. And, and that's problematic. And I think the, the fan base probably shares your skepticism on that bill. I, we don't think that they're a very well run organization and they haven't done a good job of presenting themselves as such. I had someone point this out to me today one of our guys over at the score, Cam Ellis, he, he, he said, I wrote it down. They have a winning football brand. That's a great way to talk about the bears. The brand is, is a winner. People love the idea of the bears and the history of it. And the third largest market in the NFL and Chicago and soldier field, all of that stuff. But what they don't have is, a winning franchise or a winning front office. People that call into my show or text or hit me up on Twitch, they often say that the McCaskies don't want to win. I don't agree with that. I think they do. I just don't think they know how. That's and, a good way to put it. And that's the problem. the The problem is is that they do have a desire to be up front. They do have the desire to want to compete with the Packers and and want to beat Aaron Rodgers and all of that stuff but they don't have everything in place to get them to that spot and it's really disappointing it, it, like every year you know they they trot Virginia out there on Sunday night football and you just see her heartbreak every time they lose to the Packers you see it and, and we'll see it in 2 weeks we will and, and, and we'll see it in two weeks. We will see them get embarrassed by Green Bay and see, see the matriarch of the NFL be embarrassed yet again. It's, it's, it's not a good scene at all. And they need there needs to be a bit of a cleansing that goes on with that franchise. It needs to be scrubbed and figured out and, and start doing things in a smart, like their processes are all wrong. And if they can improve those bears fans, their hope bucket is huge. It's eternal. They want the bears to be good. They just need something that's going to allow them to dream bigger. And the bears as an organization don't provide that.
1: Great, great conversation here with Lawrence Lawrence, before I let you go, just one last thing. I'm sure you've thought about it. You know, assuming Nagy is definitely gone at the end of the year. Are there any candidates right now that are jumping off the page at you saying, this is the guy that I want them to go get pro college, you know, Jim Harbaugh. Now we're seeing that floating out there again. Where, where would you be in terms of a couple coaching candidates that you'd like to see Chicago uh, go after?
2: I'd like to see them have a conversation with Todd Bowles. Uh, The way that I, I just think the guy is a defensive genius. And I think that he's probably picked up some things from Bruce Arians While he's been down there, I'd also like for them to talk with Byron Leftwich. I I think that that would be a a smart move. Jim Harbaugh should be on your list. So should Ryan Day, because of his connection with Justin Fields. A name that I keep bringing up, and I seem to be the only one over the last five years bringing this name up, they should talk with Dave Tobe, special teams coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. He was here. I, I think he's a brilliant football mind. I think that he is... Now, because he didn't get hired, it's weird. It's like he's out of the conversation as far as potential coaches go, and he shouldn't be. He's smart. He's young enough to do the job. He would want to do the job. And when you have that, I think special teams coaches are an undertapped resource for head coaching candidates because of their ability to work with players and understand offensive and defensive players. I think he put together a great staff. He knows a lot of people, his influences, Andy Reid, Lovey Smith, Jim Johnson, John Harbaugh. That's a pretty good list of guys that he's worked under. Um, It's the other candidates. I don't really know. I know Tobe. I covered him. And I I think that that's a guy that really deserves an opportunity to see what he would. He would 100% be on my list of people that I would call.
1: All right. I like it. Little uh, not
2: out of the box because it once was in the box,
1: but out of the Absolutely. box now. <laughs>
2: at, maybe, right, at, maybe maybe he walks away and goes, I I've got out of that life and I don't want to be in that life anymore.
1: <laughs> in Chicago, it's definitely a possibility. At Lawrence W. Holmes on Twitter, noon to two on the score Monday to Friday. Lawrence, thanks so much for jumping on. Really appreciate it.
2: Bill, you are the best. Anytime you need me, let me know.
1: All right, there he is, Lawrence Holmes. Everybody, that is a great. Great, great conversation. There's so much to dissect here with with the Bears organization right now. Mm. A lot's going to change here in the next month or so, and it'll be very interesting to see who stays and who goes. Like I said, Matt Nagy uh, almost certainly goes, but does Ryan Pace stay? That's really the million-dollar question here. I think the Nagy question has basically been answered, but the Ryan Pace question is Definitely still up in the air. It doesn't seem that anybody has a, has a straight answer about Ryan Pace. And I think when the, the insiders, when the media types don't have an answer, the longer it goes that they don't have an answer, the better odds it is that Ryan Pace is safe. Because what is there left to evaluate with Ryan Pace? Is it just Justin Fields? Is that it? If, you know, because obviously the Matt Nagy thing hasn't worked out right. That was Ryan Pace's guy. So if you're willing to consider keeping him despite Matt Nagy, what, 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 what is the body of work left to, to look at here over the last month when the team is being led by a head coach you've already decided isn't good enough to move forward? What's left to evaluate with Ryan Pace? There, there isn't anything. It's not like Robert Quinn, how he performs in December, or Cole Komet, how he def- performs in December, is going to make or break Ryan Pace at this point. We're basically three-quarters of the way through this season. There's, there's just not anything left here. So with Ryan Pace, it just really comes down to You know, has he done enough in George McCaskey's eyes to stay? I think there's a good chance that George McCaskey will say yes. And like I said, I know they're impressed with what Ryan Pace has done at Howell's Hall, what he could potentially do in Arlington Knights. We brought it up with Lawrence there, but you heard Lawrence. There's plenty of football people that have the capacity to do that. But, you know, we know how the McCaskies operate here. So that's going to be something to continue to keep an eye on here as we go down the stretch of the season. Now, moving on, Arizona Cardinals. I really don't know what there is to really analyze. I know I only give you a 30-second, one-minute, two-minute analysis on these games anyway, because you know I like to keep this po- podcast focused on more of the bigger picture. Not, not so much week-to-week. Week. We're not just breaking down the game and, and previewing the next game. We're looking at the Chicago Bears season on a week-to-week basis and, and how it changes. So, not really focused on the X's and O's, but look, this Arizona Cardinals team, I'm, I'm not going to say anything that isn't obvious. This is a significantly better team than the Chicago Bears. Kyler Murray uh, appears that he will be back. This team will basically be at at, at full strength here. They can run the football with James Conner. They've got 8,000 receivers that are all pretty much better than almost anyone that Bears have. And, you know, they're sitting here at with a great record, and the Chicago Bears... Yes, they have the game at home, but is is that really significant enough to think there's going to be any kind of a major impact? These, these Cardinals have a lot of good wide receivers and the Bears don't have a lot of, you know, talented players in the secondary with Khalil Mack out. Are they going to be able to get pressure on Kyler Murray? Are they going to get him moving around and not being able to settle in and make big plays? I, I just don't see it. I think this Arizona Cardinals team is going to cruise On Sunday, I think it's going to be 14, maybe 17 points. I just don't see a lot of positives for the Bears in this game. I think it's going to be something like 34 to 17 Arizona. That's what I'm going to go with. We'll see if I'm right. We'll talk to you next week. Bear down, everybody.
0: Learn more today at S-A-S slash V-I-Y-A. More to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals,